As we began last week, one of the most famous introductory paragraphs of the Magid portion of the Haggadah is the Arba Banim. That the Haggadah tells us, Keneged Arba Banim Dibra Torah, that the Torah addresses four types of sons. Echad Chacham, the Echad Rasha, the Echad Tam, the Echad She'ino Yudea Lishol. That there are four types of children that the Torah addresses, the Chacham, the wise one, the Rasha, the wicked one, the Tam, the simple one, and the She'inu Yudea Lishol, the one who is unable to ask. And then last week, we delved into the paragraph that discusses the Chacham, the wise son. We noted that it says the wise son and not the righteous son. We noted that his question is stated as a statement and not a question. However, it is really a question. And we delved into a number of different details and nuances of what it means to be a Chacham and what our role as an educator is in relation to this Chacham. So it says, Chacham Mahu Omer. What are these rules and these laws and these ordinances that Hashem, your God, Hashem our God, has commanded you? You should tell him all of the halachot of Pesach. And specifically, you should tell him that after you eat the Karban Pesach, after you eat the Karban, after you eat the Afikoman, you are not able to eat anything else. So that is the Chacham, and there was so much packed into there. And next we move on to the Rasha. And for anyone who we learned together last year, who may remember our Shir on the Arba Banim, where we discussed where they're sitting at the table, it's very interesting to picture and try to imagine that the Chacham is sitting next to, quote unquote, the Rasha, that these two are juxtaposed to one, to one another. And we learned from elements of that in last week's year, and we are going to discuss that again in this week's year. The fact that the Chacham and the Rasha are juxtaposed one to another. So Rasha, Mahu Omer, the, the wicked son, what does he say? Maha avoda hazos lachem. What is this work to you? Lachem vilolo, to him and not to you. And in this case, as opposed to by the Chacham, by the Chacham it says, Asher tiva Hashem elokinu etchem, that Hashem commanded you. However, the text doesn't specifically point that out to us. We had to recognize that from comparison with the text of the Yerushalmi, the text of the Mechilta, we had to pick out those subtle nuances and differences. Here by the Rasha, the text itself is picking out for us what we should focus on, where it says, Lachem vilolo. That this Rasha is saying, what are these things? What is this work that was commanded to you? He is specifically excluding himself. It says, Lachem to you, Vilolo, and not to him. The Haggadah says, and because he separated himself out from the Klal, from the congregation, from the community, Kafar Be'ikar, he is considered a heretic. The Afata Hakez Shinov, you should punch out or you should blunt his teeth, the Amorlo, and you should say to him, It is because of this that Hashem did for me when I left Egypt. Li Vilolo, that Hashem performed these miracles for me, not for you. Ilu Hayasham, Lo Nigal. If he had been there, he would not have been redeemed. Now, this seems pretty harsh. He is not only, did we say he is separating himself from the cloud? He is called a kafar v'ikar. He is a complete heretic, a heretic to the ikar, like what is at the essence. He is a complete heretic 
You should blunt out his teeth or punch out his teeth. You would not have been redeemed from Egypt. You are saying, what are these rules that are commanded to me? I am saying, this is what Hashem did for me, for me and not for you. Because had you been there, you would not have been redeemed from Egypt. Now, this is very, very harsh. And we were saying last week, when it came to the Chacham, there are all these, these subtleties that are included in the text of the Chacham that explain to the educator what their role is, how they are meant to approach this son, how they can best educate this Ben Chacham. And it seems like now we get to this Rasha. And for some reason, in his statement, there was something so terrible that all of these subtleties and nuances become so extreme. It's not just, let me educate him, let me explain to him. It's haket shinov, knock out his teeth. He would not have been redeemed from Egypt. So what I want to delve into is what was so bad about the, what the Russia said. So on a basic level, you can say to me, it says in the text what the problem was. But before that, I want to see where this question of the Russia comes from, where the source text is, so that we can understand a little bit of the context just going into it. Like, was the Russia really so out of line to begin with? So in Shemot Parak Yudbet, as we said, two of the Psukim for two of the Banim, two of the sons are found in Shemot, and two are found in Devarim, and they are compiled later on into various texts, which are then distilled down into the Haggadah. So in Shemot Parak Yudbet, we have the text of the question of the Russia. It says, They are talking about um, the observance of Karban Pesach when they arrive in Eretz Israel. And it says, When you arrive in the land, you should continue this avoda, you should continue this work. And so already in the statement in the Pasuk, it says, So if we are going to say, perhaps, it was so terrible that the Russia was saying that he is making all this sound like such hard work that this is not, he doesn't say like the Chacham so beautifully, rather he only calls it work. You can point directly to the Pasuk and say that the Pasuk calls what he is doing, the Avoda, the work. And it will be when your children will say to you, what is this work to you? This is the Karban Pesach for Hashem. Asher Pasach al Batei Bnei Yisrael b'Mitzrayim b'Nagfo b'Mitzrayim v'Batinu Hitzil v'Yikod Ha'Am v'Yishachavu. We should answer him, and we should say, "This is the Karban Pesach that Hashem passed over the houses of of um, the Jewish people when He was harming the Egyptians, and He saved us, and we bow down to thank Him." So also just reading the context of this Pasuk gives us an explanation as to our answer to the Russia. That the answer to the Russia, we seem to be missing something. That it says in the answer, that it is because of this that Hashem did for me when I left Egypt. It's kind of like an inside statement there. That if you know that we're talking about the Karban Pesach already, then you understand that that's what the educator or the Haggadah is talking about. But it is only when you look at the Psukim that you understand the full picture of it is referring to the Karban Pesach and the Haggadah is telling us that you should answer him and say that it is because of the Karban Pesach and because of what happened there that Hashem saved me from Egypt. Had you been there, you would not have been saved during those circumstances. 
But so if it's not calling it the Avoda, because the Avoda is what it directly addresses it as in the Pasuk, and even though Avoda doesn't sound so great to us, that is often what the Karbanot are referred to as, and later on in our time we refer to Tefillah as Avoda, because that is what has replaced the Karbanot. So it is not a problem with the Avoda. And it also even says in the Pasuk this exact phraseology, that your children will ask you and say, Maha Avoda Hazos Lachem. So the question itself is really taken from the Pasuk. So what is the problem? Bagaza tells us that it is because, it gives us a two-part answer. It says, that he separated himself from the congregation, and that makes him a kofar, a complete heretic. So on a basic level, we can understand it very simply as the Haggadah is telling us that it is because he separated himself from the cloud. So why is that so bad? It says in Pirkei Avos, Hu haya Omer, this is referring to Hillel, Asei ritzono kertzoncha, you should make Hashem's will your will, Kedeshi Asei ritzoncha kertzono, so that his will will, so Kedeshi Asei ritzoncha kertzono, so that your will will become his will, that if you observe Hashem's will like it is your will, then Hashem will do the same in turn. You should nullify your ratzon, your desire before his desire. You should nullify um, so that he will nullify other people's ratzon in the face of your ratzon. Do not separate from the congregation. And do not believe in, you, in yourself until the day of your death. Do not judge your friend until you arrive in his place. Do not say something that you are not willing to listen to. Because eventually it will come back to you. Don't always say, oh, tomorrow I'll change, tomorrow I'll change, because you may never get to that point. But the core part that is relevant to our discussion, besides for all of these wise pieces of information, is that Hillel says, do not separate yourself from the Tzibor. What is so bad about separating from yourself from the Tzibor? Usually this is used in the negative sense, that when the Tzibor is suffering, you should not separate yourself from that suffering, as it says in the Gemara Masechah Tainus. To new Rabbanan, Bizman Yisrael Shurim Bitsar Ufirish Echad Mehen, when Bnei Yisrael are suffering, Ba'in Shnei Malachai Ashari Shemelavin Lola Adam, two Malachai Ashari come to to people, Menichin Lo Yadehen Al Rosho, and they place their hands on their heads, if someone, if one person separates himself from this call, from this community, when the Malachi Asharis comes down to earth in order to help us, they will place their hands on the heads of this one that has separated himself, and they will say, because this one separated themselves in the suffering, they will also be separated in the Nechama. Because they separated themselves during the suffering, they will not be comforted along with everybody else. And this Gemara is applied in a number of different areas, that when the Klal is suffering, we are not meant to be personally enjoying that when everyone in Klal Yisrael is in a desperate state, we should be with them in that sa'ar, even though it doesn't personally affect us in that moment, because we are part of Klal Yisrael. And separating yourself from this Klal is a sin in and of itself. The Rambam applies this idea halachically when it comes to the laws of mourning. 
The Rambam says, he says, Kol anyone who separates, not only from the cloud, that it seems like when we talked about it previously in the Gemara, that it seems like they just were slightly removed from the situation. The Rambam is saying, Kol someone who disconnects himself from the ways of the Tzibor. Who are these people? He explains that these are the people who have cast off all mitzvot. They are, they do not feel the yoke of Hashem on their necks. They don't join with Am Yisrael, not only in their feeling of connectedness to Am Yisrael, but they separate in terms of Torah and mitzvot. They don't do the same mitzvot that everybody did, does. They don't celebrate the same holidays that everyone does. They don't sit in the same shuls. They don't sit in the same batei medrashot. They have separated themselves, essentially, and it says, they treat themselves as if they are completely free people as their own. Like all the other nations of the world. These are the api Carson, these are the heretics. The Hamosrin Kol Elu in Mitablim Alehem. So he adds at the end that anyone who is an Api Kores, anyone who is a Mumar, anyone who is a Mosar, anyone who like gives over to the other side, like a, a traitor, Kol Elu in Mitablim Alehem. All of these people, so someone who separates from himself himself from the Klal, an Api Kores, a Mumar, a Musar, we do not mourn for them. But rather, the Ramam is quite extreme here. And he says, rather, we should celebrate. We should eat and we should, everyone who would have been mourning should celebrate. They should put on their white clothes. They should eat and they should drink. Because a hater of Hashem has been lost. We should hate those that hate Hashem. So the Ramah makes this very extreme. And he says, why is, some, why is it so bad to separate yourself from, self from the Klal? Because this is really going against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You are treating yourself as if you are free from Hashem's words. You are treating yourself like an Apikoros, like someone who does not believe in God, when you separate yourself from the Klal, from the group of people that are all serving Hashem. Ruf Cook, however, frames this in a slightly more positive vein, but essentially says a very similar thing. Rav, um, Rav Cook, in his work, Orot, states, the relationship between the Jewish people and its individual members is different than the relationship between any other nation, national group and its members. All other national groups only bestow upon their individual members the external aspect of their essence, a title such as American. But the essence itself, each person draws from the all-inclusive soul. This, from the soul of God, without the intermediation of the group. This is not the case regarding Israel. The soul of the individuals is drawn from the community, and the community bestows a soul upon the individuals. One who considers severing himself from the people must sever his soul from the source of its vitality. Therefore, each individual Jew is greatly in need of the community. He will always offer his life so that he should not get torn from the people, because his soul and self-perfection require that of him. What Rav Kook is saying is that all other religions are self-guided and you are connected, you, to God. It is a direct line from you to God. He says what is different about Kali Israel is that we, begin, we believe in the importance of the community as well. That to live as a Jew, 
to live as a fully connected Jew, you cannot only connect to Hashem. We do not believe in solitary worship alone. We believe rather that your worship has to be in context of the Jewish nation. And we believe in Tefillah B'Tzibor. We believe that the Birov Am Hadros Melech, that the more people together that come together to praise Hashem, that is the true way to glorify HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That when we separate ourselves out, that is not meant to be how we are meant to serve Hashem. That if you were to go on a mountain and live alone and serve God in that way, that would be con- considered to be non-ideal in the Jewish religion. And as Rav Kook says, that is severing your soul from the source of its vitality, that we feed off of one another. We grow because we are together. We reach our full potential when we are united as Klal Yisrael. And therefore, this is the first explanation that this Russia sitting at our table through his question, we can sense this is why he is a Kofar B'ikar. He is separating himself out from the Klal. And that is negating what is so important about Judaism, that what is so important is being part of the Klal. But if we really stop to think about it for a minute, even though this is what it clearly seems to say in the text of the Haggadah, um, um, sorry that it says so clearly in the Haggadah, that he separated himself out from the Klal, these explanations don't seem to necessarily fit super perfectly, because at the end of the day, the Russia is sitting at the table. The, the Russia is there. He may be speaking in a way that seems to separate himself, and that may point to the this first approach that we discussed. However, he is at the table. So it seems, especially from the Rambam, that this person that is talking about, that's Porishman had Sibor, would not be sitting at that Seder table. That this Rasha seems to be at a different level from what is being addressed in that Rambam. So I want to look at a number of different approaches that may give us a slightly more nuanced approach as to what exactly this Russia is separating himself from when it says, Because I think the fact that it says, additionally, is telling us that there may be something more here, that he is not simply separating himself. That is why he is still placed at the table. And this statement of the Kafar Be'ikar points to the fact that there may be something deeper, that there is something that he is directly denying with his statement. Even though he is separating himself, he is still there. So there must be something more. So the first approach is that of the Ritva. The Ritva says, Rasha mahu omer maha avoda hazo. It explains in the Gemara Yerushalmi, Some of you may know that person, the person who sits at the Seder table and lives up to all of the classic Jewish jokes. When do we get to eat? That they sit down at the Seder table and they say, where is the food? Why are you ruining our Simchas Yom Tov? Why do we have to wait so long? Why can't you just let us have a normal Suda? What are you interrupting all of this with? If you think about what the Rasha is really saying here, he is saying, What is this? stuff that has been commanded to you. He's making it as if he is not commanded in this as well. That is why the Ritva explains it. He's like that person who's saying, when can we eat? What can we eat? Why are you destroying my sutta? It's not that he's saying, I know there is something that we were commanded, but I'm not doing it. I'm going to sit here at the table and cross my leg, my, cross my arms and refuse to do this. 
Rather, the Rasha is saying, He is being a kofar. He is a heretic to the fact that he was even commanded in Torah and mitzvot. This is a step a step beyond just simply not performing the mitzvot. He is making it as if you are standing in the way. You as a human being is controlling whether or not he is keeping these Torah and mitzvot. And therefore, he is a kofar to the fact that every Jewish person was commanded in Torah min Hashamayim directly from Hashem. So therefore, you should knock out his teeth. He just wants to eat. You are going to ruin his mouth. It is because of this Hashem did for me when I left Egypt. Because I recognized myself as part of Klal Yisrael and not just as part of the Klal, but as having a divine charge as part of being part of the Jewish people. That because I consider myself to be connected to the entirety of the Jewish people, I also recognize that I am commanded in Torah and Mitzvot right along with them. So the Ritzvah's approach is that it's not just that he's separating himself from the Klal, rather he is specifically separating himself from the commandment to keep Torah and mitzvot. The Kedushas Levi answers a, on a similar vein, but with a slight nuance. The Kedushas Levi states, if we skip to the bottom, four lines from the bottom, where it says, what is the Kedushas Levi saying? The Kedushas Levi is saying that who is the Russia specifically separating himself from? He is not only specifically um, separating himself from the Klal, from the community. Rather, he is specifically separating himself from the actions of the Tzadik. He is looking at those that are fulfilling Ratzon Hashem, that are doing mitzvot. And he is saying, What is this work to you? What are all these things that you are doing? He is separating himself from what he is meant to be doing, from the ways of the Tzadik. And previously, in the beginning of the Kedusha Slavi, the Kedusha Slavi gave the background where someone who believes in Torah and Mitzvot believes that the world was created for the Tzadik. And what does that mean? That we believe if Hashem created the world and gave us the Torah as the guidebook as to how to lead our lives in it, then therefore the Tzadik is the one who is fulfilling the Ratzon Hashem. The Tzadik is the one who is fulfilling the purpose of the world in its optimal version. That the, to- that the world was created for the tzaddik because Hashem wants all of us to act in the way of the tzaddikim. So by the Rasha saying, what is all this that you are doing? He is separating himself not only from the klal, from the tzibor, but he is separating himself from the ways of the tzaddik. And how does that make him a kofar b'ikar? Because he is a heretic to the fact that Hashem created the world in order for it to be populated with people that will serve him in a specific way. So he is not only rejecting the fact that he is part of the cloud, he is rejecting the primary purpose of the earth, which is for human beings to fulfill Ratzon Hashem within it. So that is the approach of the Ritva, added with subtle nuances by the Kedushas Levi. The third approach is that that 
the Russia is not only separating himself from the Klal, but rather he is also separating himself from Hashem specifically. If you look back at the questions of the Chacham and the Rasha, they are rather similar. And that's why I said, when we juxtapose the two, it not only causes us to compare and contrast their personalities, but to compare and contrast their text as well. The What are these rules and laws and ordinances that Hashem commanded you? You should tell him, you should explain to him the halachot of Pesach, and you may not eat after the afikoman. What is this work to you? And then we go on, to you and not to him. I kind of always picture it that the Chacham is the articulate, well-educated brother, while the Rasha is the grumpy teenager. That the wise Chacham says, He is articulate in his question. Whereas the Russia, his question is really not so different. They're saying the same thing. What is everything that you were commanded, everything that I see before me that you are doing? The Chacham is just saying it nicely. And the Russia is saying it not so nicely. It's kind of like the teenager grunt that he just says, like, what is all of this that you're doing? He can't even bother to spell out exactly what his question is. However, the Sefer Baruch She'amar, which is a modern-day commentary that focuses, um, oh, sorry, we're going to talk about the Berchas Asher in a, minute, in a minute, but the Baruch She'amar, which is also a modern commentary on the Haggadah, the Baruch She'amar says, the wicked child, what does he say? What does this service mean to you? Like many commentators before him, Rabbi Epstein points out that the questions attributed to the wise and wicked children in the Torah appear to be the same. In Deuteronomy 6.20, we say, what mean, what mean these testimony statutes and ordinances that the Lord our God commanded you? Etchem. This is the wise son's question. And in Exodus 12.26, when we read, what does this service mean to you? Lachem. This is the wicked child's question. In both questions, the child appears to be excluding himself from the, the community by using the word you in his question. So why does the Haggadah criticize only the so-called wicked child for speaking in this way? Rabbi Epstein distinguishes the wise child's question in Deuteronomy, which uses the word etchem, you, from the wicked child's question in Exodus, which uses the word lachem, to you. The wise child's question is inclusive because he says, the Lord, our God. He also acknowledges that this was the elders who, was, who were commanded directly to observe the Passover and not he. That is why he says, which the Lord, our God, commanded you. This is what we spoke about last week, that it was about knowing his place in the Mesorah, that he didn't mean to separate himself out. Rather, he was using a touch of kavod, of honor, for the person that he is asking to and saying, you directly were commanded. Let me learn from you. Uh, Rather, not only does the wicked child not mention the name of God in his question, as his wise brother does, but he is not talking about the command, but the actual service of God, which applies as much to him as it does to the elders. Therefore, when he says, what does this service mean to you? He is truly excluding himself from the service of God. The Yerushalmi amends the wise son's question in the Torah in order to make it more fitting to this context. It has him say, what do these testimonies, ordinances, which the Lord our God commanded Otanu, even though this is not what the verse in Deuteronomy actually says. It makes the wise child's question even more fitting for his temperament. Certainly, he would include himself in the commandment. This amendation also makes the contrast between wise and wicked more obvious. So what is the Baruch Sha'amar telling us? The Baruch Sha'amar is telling us that the wise son is using 
kavod. He is respecting the one he is asking the question to. He definitely does not mean to exclude himself. And that's why he specifically says, Hashem Elokinu, Hashem, our God. Our God commanded you. I know my place. I know that you were directly commanded by God. And therefore, I want to learn from you. Rather, the Russia is excluding himself completely from Avodah Hashem. He leaves Hashem out of the question specifically. He just says, Maha Avodah Hazos Lachem, what is this work to you? And therefore, Kafar Be'ikar. He is denying his connection and his requirement to be a part of Avodah Hashem. He is separating himself out, not only from the community, not only from the congregation, but completely from Avodah Hashem. So it's not just he's separating himself from the call, but Hashem as well. But why this answer specifically? Why specifically are we told to blunt out his teeth? As someone asked me last week when we were already started discussing the Chacham, someone asked me, is this the Torah approving hitting your children? That's not what it's trying to educate us about here, whether or not there is room for that in parenting, that is not at all what the goal of the Haggadah is to address. Rather, the Haggadah, as we said, gives us very specific educational tactics and educa- educational insights for the specific son that is, it is addressing. So why this answer specifically for the Rasha? Why Haka Eshinov? And to point out so specifically to him that there, this nuance in language, that you say lachem, lachem vilolo. And when you're answering him, you say, Li, Bavor Shasa Hashem, Li, Li Vilolo. We seem to be focusing very specifically on the mouth, on the speech. And I believe that this points towards the answer, which is that the goal is not to harm him, but to refocus him as to the power of his speech. That he is physically sitting at the table. Like we said, it seems strange to say that his sin is separating himself from the cloud when he is sitting there at the Seder table. But we are what we are meant to awaken him to is to the power of his speech, that we are not kicking him out of the house. We are not moving him away from the table. We're saying you are physically here. Now you need to focus on what you're saying and what impact that has. The Berchas Asher, which is a modern day commentary that focuses on the commentary of Rashi, discusses he quotes from Nechama Leibovitz, who says in her Haggadah that the difference between the Chacham and the Rasha is a very small detail, which can be found in the introduction to their words. In the Pasuk in which, from which we take the question of the Chacham, it says, as we addressed last week, when your child will ask you tomorrow, and it will be when your child says to you, the entire time that a son is asking, even if he asks very brazen, brazen questions, even if they're outlandish, it is a sign that he wants to engage, that he wants to be answered, that he wants his um, internal conflicts to be put to rest. And he is not a Russia, he is not a wicked son. He is a student who is desperate to learn. Rather, the Russia that we are talking about, he doesn't ask, he doesn't even want an answer. Rather, he's just throwing out a statement. 
He has already made him made up his mind. He doesn't want to hear anybody else's answers. He doesn't want to hear anything. And therefore, this person is called to be a Rasha. Someone who is beyond the point where he is no longer even asking because he doesn't want an answer. He has already made up his mind. That person is a Rasha. That even if they have questions, even if they are grappling, even if they are struggling, there is still value to that. And that person is not called a Rasha. The person who is called a Rasha is one who has made up their mind and they no longer engage. So as the Berchaz Asher says, we want to awaken him to this very small detail in what he is saying. He's saying, by the Chacham, there's a question. He's asking something. Here, he's just making a statement. He has even removed himself from this level of questioning and put himself in this category of someone who has made up his mind. And therefore, Hakashinov, alert him to the fact that what he is saying is separating himself from the Klal in such a dramatic way, that he has separated himself from the group of people who are considered to be tzaddikim, the group of people who are even grappling, and he has placed himself in a different category through this slight subtlety in his words. The Svas MS adds as well, Russia the Kafar Beikar. Yeshlomar Beikar Yitziat Mitzrayim, Ki Ikar Hagula Hayali, Hiotitorik, Burat Hashem Yisbarach, Gamla Paro Vichelo. What makes him a Kafar Beikar? Because the Ikar Yitzias Mitzrayim, the essential piece of Yitzias Mitzrayim, was that everyone should recognize Hashem's greatness, even Paro Vichelo, even Paro and his army. Leoni Karma Huto Yisbarach, Bechol Makum, that Hashem should be recognized in every place. And someone who separates himself from this, someone who speaks out against this, he is a complete heretic. And when he has decided and he has spoken out and he has verbally separated himself from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from the Klal, the, the suggestion is to blunt out his teeth. The Kin Amru Neged Hashem Neged Arba Banim Debra Torah Torah Sheish Tikan Lachulam. There is a way to fix every person. We say to him, It is the way you are speaking. It is the way that you are denying Hashem that is separating you from the Klal. And therefore, we punish him in the mouth. We call the attention to the mouth, to his speech, because we say, You're at the table, you're here. But through what you are saying, you are kofar bi'ikar. You are denying the essence of what we are here to do. And we awaken him to that fact by hakashina, by blunting out his teeth. But I want to ask one more question. And this is a question that is directed for us as the educators, those of us that are going to follow the directive of the Haggadah. How do we address this ben this Ben Rasha, we discussed it by the Ben Chacham, how our job is to help him transition from simply a Chacham to a Tzadik, that we are meant to take him on that path from wisdom to righteousness. But what is our role here? What are we trying to do with this Rasha? It says, Hakashina, we should knock out his teeth. His teeth. Our first goal is to awaken him to everything that he is denying by the way that he speaks, that he may think that what he is doing is not so bad. He's here. At the end of the day, he's at the Seder. But by what he is saying, he has separated himself out from the cloud. He has separated himself from the mitzvot, from the tzaddikim. He has separated himself even ultimately from Hashem. But what else? What other insight is the Haggadah giving us as educators? And I believe for this, we have to ask a very specific question. And that is why the words af atah are used. That both by the Chacham and by the Rasha, it says by the Chacham, the af atah, and more lo pasach, 
and you should tell him the halachot of Pesach. And by the Russia, it says, And afata, even you should knock out his teeth. So what is this use of this freeze? The afata. Why can't it just say, And you should tell him the halachos of Pesach. Or it could just say, And you should blunt out his teeth. Why the use of this word? The afata. And I believe this is meant to draw our attention. As we said, the Haggadah is a, a distilled version of many, many different texts over many different years. And the Baal Haggadah most likely had access to many of the same texts that we have access to as well. And therefore, it is not crazy when a phrase will, will pull us to look to another text that we think sounds similar. And that is true with this phrase of ve'af ata, that this other phrase is only ever used in the Gemara and Sota. In the Gemara and Sota and Daf Yudalit, it says, ve'amar rabbi chama barabbi chanina, mai dichtiv, acharei Hashem elokeichem tilechu. Why does it say in Sever Devarim that you should walk in the ways of Hashem? V'chi efshar lo la'adam lahalach achar shechina, ve'alokfar ne'amar, ki Hashem elokecha ish uchla, hu elo lahalach achar midutav. So the question is asked, why does it tell us in Sefer Devarim that you should walk after Hashem, your God? Is it really possible for a human being to follow the Shechina? And it already says that Hashem, Hashem's presence can consume you like fire. Rather, it is guiding us that we should follow in the ways of his Midos. Just like Hashem clothes the naked, so too you should clothe the naked. Hashem visits the sick. So too you should visit the sick. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Nichem Avelim, Hashem um, comforts the mourner, Dichtev, Vayhiach HaRimon Avraham Vayvarech Elohim et Yitzchach Bino, Afata Nichem Avelim. Just like Hashem comforts the mourner, so too you should comfort the mourner. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavar Mitim, Hashem buries the dead, Kedichtev Vekbiru Atobigai, that he buried Moshe Rabbeinu in the um, in the valley, so too you should bury the Mitim, so should you to be- should bury the dead. So here is the other use of that phrase, afata, and it is used repeatedly. Afata halbisharumim, afata bikerholem, afata kivormikim, afata nicham avilim. That is saying, Hashem does this, and so too you should do this way. And I believe through this lens, we can look back at our text and gain another mission, another charge from what the text of the Haggadah is telling us in relation to these children, in relation to the wise son and to the wicked son. That this language is used in the Gemara to tell us that we are meant to emulate Hashem. That it is pointing to the fact repeatedly that Hashem has certain midot, and we are meant to have those midot as well. That we may think that this midah is above and beyond what we are capable of doing. That, oh, Hashem is the true mal bisharumim. Hashem is the one who truly clothes the naked. What role can I play? Hashem truly buries the dead. What role can I play? Hashem really comforts the, those that are mourning. What can I do? But the Gemara is giving us a charge and saying, Af ata You too can do it. Not just you should do it, but you too. You may think you, not, you may not be able to. This is Hashem's job. 
But no, it's saying you as well, you are also able to. So what does this have to do with our text here? When we look specifically at this Russia, we look at him and we say, what can we do for this child? This child has presented me with so many real intense challenges. He is separating himself from Klal Yisrael. He is separating himself from Avodah Hashem. He doesn't believe. He has so many questions. What can I do? And the Haggadah charges us and says, Af ata You too can blunt out his teeth. You can help him to fix, to fix himself, to focus on what he is doing wrong. That this is not something that is so beyond you. Rather, you need to emulate Hashem. How, what, what is emulating Hashem in this context? When we were in Mitzrayim, we repeatedly said to Hashem, we are going to die here. How, how are we going to be saved? We complained to Moshe. What is this? How are, how are we going to make it out? We had so many questions. We had so many problems. We were each in it on our own. We were just trying to survive. We, we really did not understand and did not think possible that we were going to make it out of this situation. But Hashem said to us over and over again that I will redeem you. I will save you. I will be your savior. I will take you out of here and I will make you into my nation. And we are given this charge here through this subtle language of the Haggadah. That the Haggadah is saying, You too are able, by the Russia, you are able to bring him back in. The Jews in Egypt, they thought they were each separate units, each trying to fend for themselves, totally living like Avadim, like slaves, each man for himself. But Hashem said to us, I'm going to make you into a nation. And so to us here, by working with this Russia, by pointing out to him where he can improve, you are saying to him, you too, just like Hashem said to all of us, you will be part of Kal Yisrael. We are saying to this Russia, you will be part of Kal Yisrael. And then we go back to the Chacham and we say, once we have brought that Russia back in, then we say, just like Hashem took us out of Egypt and says, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to make you part of Kal Yisrael. I'm going to make you into a unit, not many disparate individuals. You are going to be a Kal. When we do that with the Russia, then Hashem said to us after that, and I am going to give you my Torah. I'm going to give you my laws. I'm going to give you now that you are part of this call. Now that you are part of this people. Now that you are bought in, you are part of the whole. I am going to give you my commandments. So too here, we bring in that Russia and we say, you may have decided to separate yourself. But let me point out to you, it's in your language. You're here. You can still be a part of it. You are still at this Seder table. We want to bring you back in. The hack is, Shinov, you should blunt his teeth. You should help him to refine his language. And then we go back to the Chacham and we go back and we say, Give him the Halachos of Pesach. It is the message of Klal Yisrael and this language of Afata is calling upon us to apply it here as our, at our seders as well. So what can we learn from the Rasha? We can learn what it means to be at the table, but not totally bought in. That this Russia is someone who has physically shown up. His presence is there. He is at the table. But his language is what is separating him from the cloud. And how sometimes we may be there. We may be physically present. But our mindset is not there yet. Our language is not there yet. We have not totally bought in to what we are a part of. But that is not the last chance. We call attention to it. We say we can change. It is the way you are speaking. It is not you at your core. It is only how you are acting, what you are doing in this moment, and that can be changed. It can be blunted. It can be refined. And we call upon the educator here to say your role in this process 
is to pr- bring that person back in, to emulate God when God turns us into a nation, to bring this Russia back in, re-include him in the people, and eventually bring him to the place, place of the Chacham and continue to emulate Hashem. Just as Hashem made us into a nation, brought us back in, and then gave us the Torah, we have the Ben Rasha. Keep him at the table, bring him back in, help him to refine his language, and then eventually we can bring him to the level of the Chacham. They're so similar. They're asking such similar questions. All we need is that one push. Thank you so much for joining today. I look forward next week. Um, next week, there will not be 